to the podcast series At the Kitchen Table from Momentum Advisory Group. This series is about sharing stories from families we support and family advisors we partner with. Each conversation critiques the idea that to be wealthy is not just about how much money you have, but how you put your family's resources to use for future generations. In this episode, I was fortunate to have Alan Heath join me at the kitchen table. Alan has 30 plus years working with families, family offices, and his faculty at the Harvard Business School Executive Education Program for Families in Business. I really enjoyed Alan's global perspective and his insights on family governance. Take a listen. But Alan Heath, CEO and Director of the Strategy Group, uh, based out of Boulder, Colorado. Um, my knowledge of your experience, having 30-plus years working with families, family offices, um, and in the last 10 years with the Harvard Business School Executive Education Program about families and business, are absolutely well-placed to just share a little bit of insight from your travels with families about some of the real issues that we should be expecting to face families as we look ahead into the next five years, particularly thinking about Australia, given how much of a change we're going to see in terms of leadership handing down, wealth handing down, a significant uh, generational shift happening. But really would love your global lens on this, if you wouldn't mind sharing a few ideas with us. Okay, well, I think that um, what I can say first is that what we see in one country, we typically tend to see in other countries. Probably about 85% of the issues in families that own businesses um, and families in general are the same worldwide. So, um, you know, if you're in Japan or you're in the U.S. or you're in Latin America or you're in Europe, you're going to see many of the same same issues. And I think a lot of it uh, is is dependent upon kind of where the world is moving at that particular time. And we have very basic issues that that repeat themselves over and over again. But now we're starting to see uh, trends that are different. Um, we're also seeing a huge creation of wealth. And I think that that creation of wealth in itself is creating a lot of problems. Um, I think that the, um, that what I'm, what I'm, you know, experiencing is that, uh, there's a, there's a fair amount of stress in families about how they're going to, uh, pass that wealth on what they're going to do with it, how much wealth, um, how much they're going to talk about in the families, um, what they're going to do about it, what structures are important. And I think we're finding more and more that sometimes the typical trusts that are put in place for families are doing more damage than they're doing good because they tend to be drafted in a way that is... uh, focuses on tax efficiency, minimizing taxes. And and just recently, uh, here in Australia, I had a conversation with someone who was very concerned uh, whether or not the, the business was actually paying taxes. And we're finding in the U.S. in particular now that the millennial generation wants to be certain that their family businesses are actually paying taxes because they think it's an obligation and they think it's a best practice. 
So I think that, you know, this rapid growth of wealth is created, it maybe is one of the biggest changes because it's, it's affecting more and more families and it's creating a need to think really carefully about giving. That we, we tend to, you know, we tend to look at, at these gifts that we give as you know, from the eyes of the giver and not from the eyes of the receiver. And so we think, we, we really don't think through carefully enough what it might be like to be a recipient of wealth. And you and I have just been talking about, uh, you know, how much trouble it can cause when you receive wealth because you tend to get this as a, a surprise sometimes. Sometimes you know you're going to get something, but you, you, you generally don't have any idea about how much it is. And so you receive it, and so it creates, in many cases, I think... Uh, you know, a stress on the recipient. So I think that, that that what I'm seeing is that there's, because of this, and because I think advisors are talking more and more about it, is that we're seeing much more transparency between the parents and the children about, you know, what's discussed in advance. And I think it's that's very, very healthy. So I think that this transparency and this preparation uh, for receipt of wealth uh, is, you know, has long been kind of under-addressed. One question a lot of families ask is, you know, when should I start doing this work? And I find it kind of interesting that that question comes up. Some assume it might have to happen right around the time of their passing or when they're creating a will. Um, mm. I'd like to think it could happen well before. What's your take on that question? Well, I think that paying attention to this, you know, starts very, very early. I think the earlier you start, the easier it is. Um, and I think there's very, you know, there are steps that you can take uh, when children are very young. And um, you know, we've seen the we've seen the use of philanthropy uh, has been very effective here, and um, and teaching children about money in very, very, very soft ways. So, uh, you know, I've dealt with, with families uh, who don't yet have children or have children of very young ages. And what we do is we start to work on a plan. How, how are we going to do this? What is it that we desire? And I think that, that having discussions early on about, you know, what you want to accomplish, what you want your, your children to experience is, is really important when they get the money, how much money they get. And um, so I would, you know, I, I would recommend doing this at a ver very early stage. And I think that one of the things we don't tend to do is to tell our advisors, our lawyers and our CPA and tax advisors and so on, what it is we're really trying to accomplish, what we want. And, and, and I think the other thing we fail to do is to articulate in some way, in some kind of document or at least some conversation going forward to the children and the, or the recipients of, of this wealth why we're doing what we're doing and what, what our expectations are. So we have a tendency to get very, very focused on the tax implications and the correct legal structure 
but we don't we don't really talk about what we what what our expectations are. Do we have do we want our children to feel some kind of obligation? Do we have some soft desire that we have that we want them to follow? Um, so I think it's you know we're seeing more and more in the U.S. in particular now we're seeing the use of what I would call purposeful trusts, which talk about which have actually language in them uh, from the grantors that's, that's beyond what the lawyers typically put in. Some of it's not mandatory, but it's just giving an expression of you know why the parents are doing what they're doing, and I think I really think it's very wise to do this. You know, I have to pick up on on the lawyers because when I started looking in Australia as to who was helping families start to uh, define what what the purpose of the wealth looked like and and bring that family together, often it seemed to fall to the lawyers and the accountants. Now you're a lawyer by trade. Do you think you need to have a legal point of view or even an accounting tax point of view in order to do this work? Well, I think you have to understand it, but I do feel that there has to be a balance. And I'd be, you know, probably a bit critical of my own profession because I think that you know, we have a tendency to get too technical about things. Um, so I think having an understanding of basic psychology and having an understanding of family systems theory is, is very, very helpful. And, you know, I, I think that what's happened is, over the years, is that, you know, families, families haven't understood this, so it's just not become a part of the estate planning process. And I think it's, it's really, really critical because, again, we're, you know, we're driven by certain things, but we're not driven enough by what the impact is going to be on those who receive the uh, the wealth I mean there's a whole now profession that's been built up in certain areas around the psychology of wealth and so that tells you that there's there's some issues I mean we say typically in in the, in the family business situation in particular that um, you know more family businesses, are destroyed by bad owners than by bad managers. And so I think what we've failed to do in the family business environment is to really train people to be good owners. And I think in the other side of the equation, we've also failed to train people how to be good beneficiaries. And so this has been an area that's been under-addressed, I think, for quite some time. So I think that what works best in my mind, is that if, if you have a team of lawyers and CPAs or tax advisors and family business professionals or family psychologists who can, you know, who can work together and build the right kind of scenario. Yeah, and speaking of what triggers those sort of events, life events, liquidity events that tend to bring families together... Do you find families are moving more toward doing this kind of work based on fear of what the wealth might do or based on the opportunity of what the wealth might create? I, I would say that right now it's the former because probably one of the, you know, the most frequent requests we get is what can I do to be certain 
that the wealth doesn't harm my children. So it's so I think that, but I think once you get beyond that, you have discussions about that, you try to work that out, then then you can address what the benefits are, because you know you wealth gives you opportunity, and I think it's just it's it's the way you handle that um, that becomes important. So it is a there's a huge concern I think. About those who, particularly, who've created new wealth, as to, as to what what the impact is going to be on on children, and I think that the, the two key things there are good parenting and education. And it's not a, it's not an easy task because there's no there's no right and wrong way. There's no kind of standard approach to this because every family is different. And, um, and and each child takes us in in a different way. So it takes us a very, it's a very hands-on process, I think. And I guess a, a last question to you, particularly given your experience in this space, governance, which is such an important part of a business entity, but when you think of a family entity as an enterprise, um, what's the role of governance in your view and how should families be thinking about this? Well, I think the governance process for every family maybe is different, but I think that what I find tip, you know, that runs through all families is that as families we don't plan very well. In businesses, we tend to have policies and procedures and rules and structures and things of that nature. And in families, you know, we don't typically do this, uh, you know, in the a normal sense. So I think that giving having some guidance on developing a little bit of process, some rules, some structure, you know, it gives us a place to go when things turn bad. And it also gives us a place to do this education that I was talking about. So I'm I'm a great believer in in uh, in governance because I also think it I think it teaches the next generation, you know, a, a process and a way to move to move forward in a logical sense. The other thing it does is if you have some rules and you have some structure, when times get bad, it gives you a place to go to make decisions. So um, when, I, when I hear a family say to me, you know, we've, we've, we had a problem... We were trying to figure out how to solve the problem. And somebody in the family said, well, we have a, a constitution or we have a protocol or we have a procedure. Let's turn to that procedure and utilize it. And then I, then I know that things are working and that the family's got a rational way to come to some kind of decision. Which is a really nice place to land. One of the fra- phrases used by a family I've been working with was having a guidebook that the yes. family can look back generation upon generation. Um, can I ask one last question? What would be a must-read guidebook for families, in your opinion, who are starting to think about doing this work? Well, you probably you probably know what I'm going to say. I mean, I think I really think the best book, first read book out there is. Uh, is the book by James Hughes, which is Family Wealth, Keeping It in the Family. I, I think it is, um, 
it's philosophical. It's it, it comes at things from a different direction than most uh, most books do. Um, I, there's more and more stuff being published, but I I like this as a first shot because it it talks about governance. It talks about the importance of governance in institutions, family institutions, and other institutions, and it. Um, it, it it it's sensitive to the emotional piece of of this whole process. So uh, that 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 would be my number one recommendation. Thanks, Alan. Nice to have you in Sydney. Thank you for the time. It's great to be here.